Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner-Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. The bad white man calling the devil. The Yadabai calling eyes like the sky. Hey everybody, Ron Cecil here, cutting for sign. Hey, hey, we got a little bit of a different one today, don't we? A little bit different. Doing it from the road. Sometimes really? we've got to be flexible. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's the, the uh, taking cutting for someone on the road. And I'm going from my house, which I also have not done. So, And you have to leave early. which is a, So this is, a, this is a fucky one. <laughs> and we're talking to a guy in Amsterdam, which I think is kind of fantastic because uh, <laughs> this is like a real... <laughs> moment of global we wouldn't have been able to do this a number of years ago but because we live in the future we could do this it's kind of amazing yeah yeah have you been to amsterdam before dude amsterdam's one of my favorite places ever so I, yeah okay i have uh, yeah have you been there no so let me tell you uh, i have a love affair with european cities that have wild parrots did you know that there are European cities that have wild parrots? No, I, it took me three seconds to understand the sentence you just said. Yeah, so, so there's a number of cities. London is one of them. Uh, several cities in Spain and Amsterdam, and they don't really know why they have wild parrots. They're not sure if they, if they were released from captivity a number of years ago. They're not sure if they accidentally got blown over from Africa. There's like a lot of speculation. And uh, in 2016, when I took my family uh, to Europe, we traveled there for three months. We were rented, we had rented bikes in Amsterdam. We are, there's this like main long road that goes from the train station in Amsterdam through this like long city park. And it's huge. It's this massive city park. And, and along the way, uh, I start to hear the like telltale squawk of parrots and the flash of green wild parrots flying through, you know, a place that doesn't feel like they should be there is pretty damn magical. And, uh, and I've, that's happened to me before. Like I was in London on the outskirts of London and Syria once and that happened. Like suddenly thousand parrots like showed up in this tree I was next to. Uh, so I have this kind of affinity for places that have those things. It's just my own little, like, I don't know, relationship with this weird mystery of, of that exists right now. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's fucking wild. Interesting. Well, you have a little fascination with birds anyways. I do. Did you know that San Francisco also has population of wild parrots? So when you say wild parrots, I do not. Do you, parrots, uh, <laughs> wild parrot. Um... That'd be funny. There's just packs of parents in the wild. Dude, Children at home. <laughs> you are one of those right now. You're on the road. You're wild. You're in the wild. Um, uh, 
One of the things that I appreciate about you and your relationship with birds is the exercise you do sometimes where you stand in an environment and try to identify not only how many different types of birds are audible, but where they are in relation to you. Yeah. Yeah. I close my eyes and I, and I listen as, as hard as I can. I try to get really still so that I can hear. It's interesting when you do that because then you, you can begin to like hear the depth of the birds, how far away they are from you, how high they are up in the air. Like if they're high in a tree or if they're low down on the ground, if they're in a bush, it really begins to create like three dimensional sound. And I, I can only imagine that our ancestors were really good at that, understanding mm. what's going on, you know? Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and it's amazing too how with practice, you can get a lot better at that. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I've passed that exercise that you do on or that thing that you do on to other people. I've told people about it and then they've done it. Oh, really? You oh, have? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Because it's a good one. You know, I think that's a very good, I mean, that's a great exercise in presence. And um, it's also a great exercise in cutting off the sense that we probably rely on most visual, you know, our visual acuity. And, um, you know, and then just how heightened those other senses get when you don't rely on that one. And there's probably so much, I don't know, there's so much like room for uh, a different experience potentially like a little bit better of an experience in life by shutting off some of our other senses, you know? I, I've seen people um, like experiment on YouTube where they like blindfold themselves for a number of days for that oh, very reason. I Would you to, ever do that? Oh, I used to walk down my street with my eyes closed at night. No, Like as a kid? What do you mean? No, like relatively recently. And I would, <laughs> I would do it all the time. I would walk really? this, yeah, there was this street that I would walk to get home to, and it was probably more than a quarter mile. And I would, I knew that my feet, I knew there was nothing on the street and I knew that the light of cars and the sound of car coming would, I would hear it as it, it was a uh, quiet street. And I also knew that if my feet hit, went off the street, they would hit gravel on either side. So I knew I was 99% safe. And I would close my eyes and walk for as long as I could. And it's amazing how quickly the fear of not knowing where you are and what's going on comes, but it's doesn't matter. You use your other senses to know you're safe. Did you find that, um, your hearing would like heighten, like it would sharpen? I didn't do it enough. You know, like I didn't do it like yeah. every day or have any metric to measure that, but I'm curious what our guy today, David Haynes, uh, is going to say about you know, things like this, like, cause he, one of the reasons I liked, I liked what I, I read and saw about him yeah. was that he really values the single image as opposed, um, the digitally in digital image and, or, um, video. And so right. that's kind of like, you know, there's a sort of oversensitate, uh, uh blanket oversensitive oversense <laughs> i'm a professional podcaster um potentially become desensitized oversensitized yeah. is that the word um you know by so many images you know you watch a 30 second clip of a movie how many images is that you know and yeah and it 
to bring the power of, of an image back in. It's just um, of a single image. It's something I'm really, uh, I was, the way he articulated it in his, in his statements, uh, his artist statement, and then also in the way he writes about his, about his own. Um, his art is just like, he has thought it out a lot. And I'm really looking forward to talking to him about that. Well, tell me a little bit how, how you found this guy. Cause I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, I mean, you know, when you showed me David's work, I was like, oh, that's, I can see why you're attracted to his work. And I can see some of your work in there. Cause when I was first exposed to your art, I, I don't want to ever get tired of telling the story of how you told me you were a painter and then you know, you're like, Hey, I'm painting. And I was like, kind of brushed it off. Like, okay, cool, man. Like, that's kind of like, you know, it, it's, it felt like the equivalent of saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm playing guitar and tons of people play guitar. And, um, and I just didn't, you know, and some, and lots of people are very good at playing guitar and it didn't really like put two and two together. And then I saw your work. And I was like, Oh shit, this is like, uh, really good. <laughs> And like, you're taking it really seriously. And it, and it was like, even in your early days of sunsets and, uh, space and all that stuff, it felt photorealistic to me. Like, it felt like I could look at a, a photo of the, the, you know, the nebula, nebulae, and also that felt real. So is that something that has drawn you to his stuff? Let me get into that when he's here, because there's a nuance to answer okay. that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Let's do that. Nice. All right. Actually, he's here too. Should we let him in? Yeah, let's let him in. David, you believe that drawing and painting are media that liberate the image from the dehumanized abstraction of its digital re reproducibility. That there are deeply psychological reasons why we return time and again to singular images in our digitally drenched society. And that it is the handmade image in all its materiality. It offers us the closeness we desire. All right, David, welcome to Cutting for Sign. Hi, nice to be here. Yeah. Um, Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> definitely. Uh, you're, um, the writing that you've done on your art is, is awesome. And it, I, have, I really value when someone has a very specific um, understanding of what they do and why they do it especially as an artist when so much of that can come from a pretty mysterious place or be uh, you know somewhat dreamlike or insubstantial and so walking that line of understanding why we're doing uh, what we're doing what it is and also letting the um, lack of control and the mystery exist is just an interesting line to walk I think as artists I don't know that if you would even agree with that statement yeah I, I, absolutely i do i mean it, 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 it exactly what you say fine line between um in, in a sense being asked to justify and, and and to be your position of not and at the same time allowing um you know, mistakes and and as you said kind of mystical thing to happen um but i i i'm also a a, a teacher at, at the art academy in Rotterdam, and, and part of the uh, process I, I see the students going through is that they come with an idea that that they in some way have to they can't speak about the work then they, they can't can't make it and it is a question of saying well you know it's not actually about that it's sometimes very simple things about noticing things you already do and having a different conversation with those things and about those things 
that letting that inform the work and then being in it and kind of uh, aware of, of, of how it's informing the work and being able to look at it with slightly different eyes. Um, so, I mean, I, mean, so I, 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 I will say that. Sorry, please. Uh, no, I, I just say at the moment, there's certainly tendency, certainly in Europe, with the art establishment that, 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 that the, um, the emphasis has shifted far more towards the text to the image, which to me thing uh, may be coming through uh, 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 reasons uh, uh, behind funding applications and uh, having to kind of fade your position in order to survive. Uh, and and I, I, I just worry sometimes that the image in that, in that whole process can get lost. So although I do write and not talk a lot about my work, um, it's always, I like to hit kind of like the side of the work rather than necessarily about the work. Yeah. How do you maintain to act, uh, actively, how do you actively maintain the, the potential in academia and in people these days in general tendency to want to, as, as artists to be able to say, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And for me, it comes off all a little bit too much on the mental. It emphasizes the intention and the actively conscious intention of making art too much. And this might just be my influences right now on where I am in sense of understanding art, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't think that that would be a problem. But it, it really kind of has become that for me because I would like to become as well-spoken and know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, put words to it. I value that a lot on the art that I do. But for some reason right now, my own personal art, it's, I think of it more as dreams. And, and I, I hit a real mental block when I try to say this is what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I can't tell if that's a block that I should be getting through um, or if. I, I have a, a, you know, a valid stance and saying, no, these, these come from somewhere that I don't really, I'm not really sure. And I don't want to control it too much. Mm -hmm. um, no, well, I, I, I think you just gave the answer that I would have given it about having that discussion with yourself about where things are coming from and being responsible, being able to, if needed, discuss that with, with, with as we are doing now. But, but, then, but the trouble is that I sometimes find within academia at the moment that, that they want all of these texts, the whole the kind of language ventrism, the whole thing to come first. Yes. And the image in some way is the second. Of course, the thing kind of crazy positions have taken it. If one is working on a visual art and future of career. Ron, what do you think about that? Do you think about that with I, your writing? Um, I do actually think about my writing, but what I was thinking of listening to both of you talk is, is the irony of, of having a strong visual, uh, um, you know, what is it called? It's not a palette. It is a, um, your catalog of work, you know, your work should speak for itself, but then having to defend it in writing or having to articulate something that maybe isn't, you know, necessarily mm -hmm. there, but you're having to like play to the audience. And for some reason, my brain started thinking about the cavemen who painted all the cave paintings in France and then imagining them, did they have to like, did they have to defend their work? Their own audience? Did they have to explain it to anybody? 
it was just a simple state like in my head this idea of, of like okay. i think it's i, I, I think I, go ahead okay i actually what's fascinating about this painting that we, we don't know and we never will know why they were paint yeah argued on since they were discovered that we will know yeah. that makes it yeah I, I grew up in New Mexico, which is in the southwest of America, and and um, my I spent a lot of my twenties out in the wilderness, rock climbing, and and just spending a lot of time out there, and and could get direct access to these uh, paintings on walls on the sides of cliffs, mm-hmm. and and some of them, um, you know, the literature would say are thousands of years older than some of them that are right next to each other, right, and. Mm-hmm. And I found that I always found that work to be really, really moving because some of it is clearly an animal. Some of it, there's no, it, there's nothing. I don't, we have no clue what it could be. And yet it was in someone's mind and someone put it out there. And so my heart breaks for you guys a little bit, having to like defend what you're trying to do, because it was this thing born inside you created over visions and over dreams and over uh, a conversation really with yourself and probably some inspiration elsewhere. And then having to, to, um, you know, create a story around it, I'm sure it's probably difficult. And, and with my writing, yeah, I mean, I think, you, you know, having to write a summary and then having to like pitch my story to somebody is, is hard <laughs> because because I've put so much effort into the narrative itself or a scene or something like that. And then having to like distill it down, I find to be really, really challenging. And yet, you know, here we are, the three of us talking and, and, and ultimately because we're not giving this stuff away for free or don't want to give it away for free. Um, there has to be this like proc productization of our stuff. And, and it's like a, it's a two-sided coin. Well, one of the, my favorite psychologists, he was a Jungian psychologist, but I, his work right now is Robert um, Johnson. And he's, he, he says this thing about what potentially our role is as humans. And, and, you know, he's not saying this is why we're here in, you know, in the universe, but he's, he's expressing that one of our roles seems to be to take this uh, subconscious, this unconscious potentiality that seems to be endless from the, um, from the matter of the universe and to bring it into the, into consciousness. And that, that is done naturally through dreams, but also much through our imagination and our creativity. And then just through our, the, the sort of crazy randomness and chaotic experience of being human of life. And I thought, Oh, okay. So that's, that's kind of what we're doing. So let's let's assume that's one of the things that we're doing as artists is bringing this subconscious potentiality within each of us the unique um, perspective that each one of us has um and we're bringing it into the world and into conscious reality and i i really like that and if that's true then yeah put not only creating the piece or the art but also putting words to it and and sort of rorschaching it for for each one of us it's meaning um particularly the person who made it, I can see the value in that. I definitely see the value in that. And it's like when you do, when you have some sort of neurosis, your blind spot, it's, it's not conscious. And then you do bring conscious light to it. There's something that the attention eases and it works itself out. And then you can kind of get through it. 
And I think there's a similar process that happens there when we are forced to put words and uh, to what we're doing and to understand why we're doing it and then to make it relatable to other people so maybe it's accessible to them. So there's a lot there. Um, I do like the challenge that we're presented to do that. It's just a pain in the ass sometimes when, like myself, I'm early in my art career and I don't really know why. And honestly, Ron too, and David, I don't think that I am as authentic of an artist as I can be. And the pushing I get from, I get from academia to do what we're talking about, it actually is really good. It helps me. It helps me refine ideas and kick ideas out that, oh, I don't actually really that's not really resonant of who I am. Do you, you know what I mean by that? Is that yeah. something that you, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I mean I, 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 of course, you know, uh, my work as well is extremely informed by text and, and writers by, uh, writing by people that are greater mind than mine. Um, I, of course, that, that, that's part of it. Um, I get the only, the only what, what I was referring to at the beginning is more that, that, that it, 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 it's a dialogue between these two Kind of aspect, and, and the trouble is that at the moment there's going to be a tendency to that that, that 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 dialogue has gone out of balance. Time, um, but but um, no, of course, yeah. I, I I've also uh, there's something really magical when you've made an image and and, you, and then you're reading something and you realise that 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 thinker at a certain point may have thought similar things to what you've put into that 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 work and, and noticing that. Just, it gives an ex, it gives you, as you said, maybe, maybe that, that feeling of like how, how it's helping you, that kind of development. It's it coming from, it, it, it's about noticing and conversations and kind of, you know, you know taking responsibility for, because, because you, you know, or sorry, helping you take responsibility for, for image you made, made because you know, maybe Mr. X or Ms. X has, has thought similar thing in, in, in the past or, or is doing right now. Okay. Yeah, I so, like that phrase you used, David, taking responsibility for the image that you created. Yeah, what do you, okay, I, what do you, yeah, what do you mean by that? Can you like talk about a little bit more? Yeah, the tutor that I had in London, I, we, everyone used to be kind of forcing these big group seminars to, to justify what they were doing. I don't know, I, I, I find it really hard to justify this. Um, maybe it's like, I don't know, an abstract paint or something. And then even if you're all using the wrong word, you don't have to justify this at all. You just have to be responsible for it. And mm. there's a real, there's a, there's a, there's a big difference. It's fucking really quite important. And I think just, just, the, the word responsibility to me, discusses, you kind of highlight the position out of which I work. So I can say um, I, that there's neither a wrong or a right in what I do or what any art does necessarily. But, but what we can do is talk about those images or whatever, the video talk, you know, the music, in, uh, in relation to a position which they've established themselves. Um, and I think that's, in a sense, what I'm, for myself, what I mean about responsibility. It's like, how do I relate that image, that finished work, back to this position? And can I have, you know, an honest conversation with me about its it, it failures or its it in relationship to what I kind of stand for and what I kind of, as I said, quite again, the position out of which I work. Yeah. Did you say that, that what you scan for? Is that what you said? Stand for. Huh. Not scan for. Hopefully I didn't scan. No, no, scan like <laughs> an, 
Dan, like that's the way down a little bit more. Dan, no, Dan no, no. sorry. I wasn't, I wasn't hearing yeah. Emma's and mother, but I, uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious what, <laughs> well, just the idea that you're scanning, you know, are you saying like when you scan, um, the world for images you're interested in, or what do you mean by that? Oh, you stand so, like, like STA and D. Stand, I didn't Jesus. say stand. Yeah. My bad. Okay. All right. All right. Technology. So a little, a little bit of history on why, uh, I know of your art. Um, so I returned, I started painting about seven years ago and, um, and then was starting to make a living of on it pretty quickly. Um, I just had an eye for recreating, being able to recreate things line of sight, uh, pretty realistically, just sort of naturally. And, but I had a lot to learn and I, I, I considered myself an artist and a writer and a dancer for a long time, but there's something about painting and visual art that the single image art, the, the conversation around it is different than in other arts I've noticed. And this, this might just be my, seems to force you to really, um, question why you're doing what you're doing. Um, maybe just in a language that I understand a little bit more, feel like I can, I can get. So I made a decision to be an artist, not in all these other things that I've tried in life, but I thought the most simple way to become, uh, to work on myself an artist as an artist would be through a two dimensional image, you know, let's just make it simple like that. And so I decided to go back to school. And so I've been studying painting for about a year and I tend toward the realistic. And so my drawing teacher, um, she gave, we all had to do, uh, um, just a research project on an artist, uh, presentation. And so she assigned on you. Um, um, and so I learned a little bit about you and, um, what is, what I've noticed is kind of interesting about your work is it's very realistic in general and yet it is not sterile and it opens up the conversation it opens up a conversation very easily and then as i looked a little bit more at your work after we decided to have this conversation um i started to see more of how you use i don't know if it's imagination or abstraction but you certainly alter the image in ways um that are seem that are a little bit abstracted for example ron he has a couple of pieces at least where he'll read it's very rendered it's very realistic the image and then over the face there will be a really broad rough uh either erasing or um like almost a charcoal level darkness uh hard mark so it looks like it was aggressively made with a very blunt instrument over uh, the rest of the of the images highly rendered right and so this like very bold and brave you know and i love the idea of how we have to be brave in art we can be brave like the big words courage brave bravery um these things apply and that's like a very bold brave move to do that and i'm assuming that has intention in why you do your art but i was really hoping you could speak a little why you make those decisions and why you don't make more of those decisions, why they would be maybe too much in some cases or not enough in others and just how you approach that. Um, I think every, every work is, 
actually the the, the work you your the work you are uh, I think referring to with the scratched out image with the scratched out face. Yeah. The the, the scratch is actually not scratched, it's a it's trunkloid scratch. So the the, the 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 marks used to make that scratching look are extremely uh, tender and be small. Mm. So I'm reproducing the appearance of scratch and reproducing the appearance of that being erased away. Um, I think particularly, but that, I mean, that, that body of work spoke about um, uh, what, what we're doing now, this kind of the idea of online uh, interface and how we're communicating with image just through that and really kind of finding a way that, that the singular images could, could uh, kind of counteract or, or add or what, what questioning what that position was in, in this digital kind of digitally soaked uh, uh, like society you know lived in so I think that kind of very visceral uh, kind of mark that you're referring to was also kind of having a discussion with its own making in that sense so the whole drawing in that was kind of a, I, I seem to remember a, the drawing of a guy on the screen in the kind of yeah. film-like situation um, uh, the whole thing was discussing well what, what does this mean to, to, to be making these works in, in 20, I think it's 2018 I made that, that work. What does it mean to be doing that? Why, why, why would why choose this, this, this process? So, so your question of why, uh, why I don't do more of these, um, quite, I guess, gestural mark in, in that, in that respect. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't that gestural. It was, it was, it was really a, a kind of a, 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 a bit considered uh, discussion on what gestural meant. In, in this, as a drawer, as somebody using yeah. pencils and paper, it compared, compared to something totally immaterial, as we're doing now, effectively, going through some kind of abstract process of the machine yeah. which we're discussing. You know, we're talking to now, or, or not at all visual, they're not at all scratching, and they're not at all doing, not yet anyway. Um, they're, 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 you know, so they're really kind of, you say, well, wh why don't I do that more? Well, I get that, that I kind of just decide on what that kind of discussion needs to what kind of uh, mark making is, is, is relevant to, 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 you know, to, have that, to have that discussion. You know, I'm curious, Ron, like in your, in your, uh, in your writing, do you ever consider other genres of art, like abstract, like surrealism, impressionism? Do you ever consider the writing version of those? Hmm. Um, I do, I do because I probably spent too much time in B literature in my early twenties and, and, uh, and even reading the newest Kirk McCarthy, uh, novel that just came out, he has an introduction that has, um, no attributions at all. And it's very difficult to read. Um, and it is, it feels like a stream of consciousness between two beings that uh I, I i'm not I'm not even quite sure what's happening but it's it, but my guess is it's very purposeful towards the rest of the story um and so i do tend to think about that kind of stuff about how writing can be deconstructed and reconstructed um and but i but for me in my craft at this moment in my in my um journey as an artist in there it's like i'm trying to be as traditional as I can to make something as, um, as real feeling to me as I can. Um, but I have a question for you guys, because, uh, you know, both of you create 
um, art that is singular, that is, um, it, it's, it's meant to be displayed in person. Do you guys feel overwhelmed by the, the, I mean, I can't, I've, I've heard a numbers at some point of how many new images we are exposed to every single day because of our digital devices and some, and some number of those. And I, and I even started thinking about the AI art that has become more popular and, and, and is starting to come up there. Does this feel for you guys like it's a distinction against um, what technology, the saturation? I love that you use that word, David, the saturation in the digital world. Do you feel like it's a stand against that? Because I, I keep going back to the cave drawings where there was something that, that resonated in, in a person. They had to put it on, on material. They put it on the cave wall. Um, and now we live in a time where we can't, we're like the rat in the cage and like, we can't get enough. So we just press, 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 press for the new image, the new image, the new image. And the process that you guys do is very slow. I've been lucky enough to be friends with Daniel long enough to watch him create these images. And it's, it's a painstaking process. What is your relationship? I mean, that's a question for both of you, like in this world where things are fast and things are immediate and, and prolific. Please do. Good. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it becomes a statement. In, in, uh, I mean, in, in a sense, uh, what, what happened in the 19th century for painting and, and uh, singular images then uh, with the advent photography. Um, far from killing painting, it, it, it gave painting a new life and a new art. Tools of language to discuss itself in relationship to, and and I think that exactly the same thing is happening now. And in a sense, yet if the digital world with all its imagery daunting, I find it quite fascinating. I I I I, I relish it because it's highly democratic. I relish that people can now direct their own videos on their phone, like on their like they're not going to be don't need to be curated by anybody now. Like an Instagram account basically is going got your own magazine and you can put your images on. And I, I think that's amazing. And I, I quite, couldn't have imagined having that when I graduated in the 1990s. Um, we were so dependent on, 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 a, on, a, on a, a system of curators, uh, galleries and museums in order to make a career, which took very, takes a very long time, still does actually. But um, I think that, uh, so in that sense, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think it's amazing. I'm, I'm a great Unfortunately, anybody doing those kind of things. But on the other hand, indeed, for somebody like myself, um, that, that, that spends a lot of time on, on a single work, that spending a time because I can discuss it within the terms of the digital culture does become a statement. Um, and, 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 and it feeds the work. And, and I think then if one sees that on a, on a wider cultural uh, level, you can see it just within culture itself. I, I don't know what it's like in, in where you are, but, but here shops are closing and being replaced by cafes, being replaced by anywhere, people, you know, at places where people can come together for actual contact. Um, it's like everybody's shopping online, doing the practical thing, but they still need that contact. And I see the image world in a very similar way that you can have the, the digital uh, uh, communication, obviously, like extremely easily you're saying, why swipe, swipe. The queues for the museums here in Amsterdam are longer than ever. And you ask yourself, well, why is that? And I think that, that it, 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 it's this general need 
to, 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 no, indeed, to see those cave paintings in, 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 in reality, to see your painting, you know, they, they, we, we coming together and, and, and having some kind of real physical contact. I believe it, it, the word is indexicality, that, that, that the people making the, the paper on screen, but that the interaction is, of course, extremely different. And I think that, that thank you very much, it's handmade images um, are, yeah. on the, on the, on the real human, open up a world in which that kind of human contact is possible. Ah, no, thank yeah. you for sharing that. What do you think, Daniel? Well, I'm just kind of actually curious if you could speak a little bit more to that because um, your value around the single image and the handmade, and it's more specifically the handmade single image. At least that's how, that's what I understand from what I what I've read about your work. Um, it speaks to me big time because that's what I'm doing is to put a lot of time into making one mm -hmm. image and an image that a digital uh, artist can make way more uh, realistically and right, way faster, um, let alone, you know, photography. And so why? You know, I keep asking myself why, why, why? And I come up with a lot of reasons, but those reasons don't end up being connected to the artist, the, the history of art as much as just my personal pre pre preferences of how I want to live my life. You know, I enjoy um, the process. Uh, it fits my lifestyle. I can, um, I can, uh, I like the tactile movement of my body and the, um, the very visceral experience of color and movement and feel, um, of doing that. And it happens to be something that I'm doing at least well enough to make some money. Like that's important and meaningful to me, you know? Um, but I have so fucking far to go as an artist and well, I, there's so much room for improvement and school has, has shown me that clearly. And I, I challenge a lot of my, I challenge my professors, not that I'm, I'm trying to challenge them, but I don't just take in everything they say as that's true. Cause I'm just at a little bit different place in life, you know, and I want to really get it and I want to understand and believe and arrive to a place that fits my values and really my own agency. And so but, I found it challenging, you know, sorry, go ahead. Um, I have a quick one. What, what, what do you say the improvement? Have you noticed that? What improvements have I noticed in myself? Oh, you, when you say well, you, you, you've got a long way to go and you, and I'm, I'm kind of imagining what goals you're setting yourself and how you see, how you see that in, in a sense, how you visually, how you, you, you see that improvement within you. Good question. Thanks for that question. Yeah, that's a generous question. Um, I, I thought that I was doing fine and I've never been, uh, uh, accused, you know, of being not thoughtful or not, um, considerate of what I'm doing until I went to school <laughs> and it was like, all of a sudden my art was being looked at as like, eh, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. really relate to the world. It doesn't really relate to our, to other artists and, and, and why are you doing it? And I was like, God damn it. I, I'm not used to being questioned like this because I'm the one that asks these questions too much for the people that I talk to. And so I really welcome that. So to answer your question, my art, when I look at it, I don't see it relating to art history. I don't, and in a good way, I mean, I don't see it participating actively in that story, you know? 
because partially I don't know that story. I, I've read art history more than the average person, but school takes it to another level. And school asks you to understand things and, and think about things to another level. And although I have done a lot of thinking, as Ron knows, like I, I value that, doing it on a professional level, doing it amongst peers, doing it among people who are way better than you, being forced to do it in ways that you are uncomfortable doing, that all pushes me and goes me. So what I'm seeing my art doing in the next five years is participating more in the story of art, art, participating more in the active world of contemporary art now, and also by knowing and understanding and taking those roles, participating more authentically in my own personal life, having nothing to do with those two realms, you know? And I think that checking all three of those boxes um, would would definitely make for more interesting art. And when people say, you know, academia, it, it will like ruin you as an artist, like maybe it'll do that for some people, but maybe those people are already doing a really good job being artists. They're already very authentic in, in their own way. But I, I feel like I have a lot of um, undoing to do in my art that mm -hmm. I've, I'm finding academia. Academia is for interesting. I've heard that same argument. I've heard that same argument with academia, with both writing. You know, when I when I started to ask, yeah. do I want to go get an MFA in writing? Well, my you know a friend of mine who's got an MFA and it's a professor up in Washington. He's like, well, why would you go? I said because I want to write. He's like, are you writing now? I said yes. He goes, then you're gonna you're you know you're ninety nine percent there. Um, and having had a, having an education in theology, uh, you know, they say you go, you go to a school for theology to lose your faith. Um, and it deconstructs and breaks down and questions and over and over. And I, and yet there is like this, like tension with it all, right? There is this, this thing that we do need to call everything into question. We do need to refine who we are and what we think we believe in, because once we, once we start to truly question ourselves and what we're trying to go. And I love what you said, David, about uh, the question to Daniel, which was, you know, where do you see yourself? What are your goals? Really basic questions. But I think as an artist, um, do you think about that, Daniel? Do you think of like, what are my goals? Where do I want to be in, in five years? How do I want to show up in the world in five years? What, did, what do I, what is, what's my presentation? How do I arrive? All the time. Yeah, all the time yeah. because because I see people like David doing it in a to a level and in a way and you know I'm I'm not saying everyone likes you know, his art or anybody's art I I I I, I um, limitation you know he certainly seems to be when I look at his art you know um, to be participating in a discussion actively courageously and with a high level of skill and articulation and that's how i see myself ron <laughs> you know I, yeah, that's where you want to be yeah yeah i want to i want to do something that that i am proud of that um that touches someone else that opens a door that invites someone else to have an experience that might be in in any way edifying or enjoyable um and and to make my living doing it and to to do it with integrity and then to be able to come on a podcast uh, have a glass of wine, enter any of these lovely uh, environments of discussion and thrive, you know, and further the discussion about the topic that we're having. 
via the vehicle of what I've created or whatever the person across from me has created. Does that make sense? It does. I wish I could stay and have uh, more, you know, deeper conversation. Yeah, I know you got to go. It was going to be a weird yeah. one like that. It's Good to much. meet you, David. Yeah. Okay. I can't wait to hear the rest of what you're going to say. Take care. Bye-bye. What, what do you think about that? Um, it, it, it came to me when I asked the question before about um, way, way, how you, you judge success or, or improvement. Um, uh, I mean, the whole nature I think of kind of like artistic practices that they're, you, you're in a sense, you're, you're, you, you place yourself outside of the world in which we would normally judge. Uh, 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 right or wrong. I, and I don't mean that to be, but you know, um, whether something works or not, it, it's not a, it's not like you're in a sense, you're outside the lo- those logical strengths. So, so, uh, as I said, I, ca- I think coming back to what we said earlier, it seems to me like, uh, uh, as I, as I see improvement in, in like, uh, I can see in my own career, um, it was more at, at what point, what I felt maybe about if I could locate improvement in terms of, uh, the way I was owning my dialogue, which I don't necessarily mean the, the, the words, but I'm, how I was talking about the work, but I was, I was owning things like yeah. what did you, you use the word skill? What does it mean to me making this thing in this way? What, what, what does it mean to me to be doing that? And once I could, if some, if, even if somebody came in and would actually thought what I was doing was utterly irrelevant, at least I could. You know, I could have that discussion all day. For me, skill had become a language. So I said, well, skill, uh, let's use the word, actually, media word, technique. Because skill, I think, is also subjective. The technique seems to be something that one, one could, in a sense, learn and master in a certain way. And for me, that had become a language. And so how do I use that language? So um, I think what I'm trying to say is that, that, that the work progresses along those terms. Like uh, I can see that maybe in feet because I can, ha- I'm having a, a discussion with myself and I'm taking responsibility for those things like, uh, technique or, 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 you know, this kind of honest grabbing of the subject that I'm finding on, on, find in the best place I find them and, and really seeing how they relate then that to my choice of technique. So really kind of building up by the, the early, this kind of the idea of position, um, and, uh, kind of relating all of these things back, the, the final image to kind of really cool point, which out of which looks great. So what does that discussion looked like? How has it changed uh, recent uh, experience around that discussion? How is the discussion different now than it was five years ago, five years ago to 10 years ago? It, it, it had, it had, it's got more complex and I think it has got much more in anything referential or self-referential in the sense that it has taken on board far more uh, ideas of the digital world and where it comes from and having that, that what we were just talking about earlier about the indexicality and, and the place of the singular I think really okay. got, I love it back to you there. <laughs> I love it again. My, keep telling me my connection um, is unstable I don't know if you'll be well I, un- I, I can you're okay now. Yeah, it's happened a couple of times. Um, if there is a, a way to uh, bolster that, that'd be great. But um, if, if if you're as strong as you can get, then we'll, we'll work with it. Um, no, 
to get to the, I, I, yeah, I've got all my megabytes, I call on flying in that respect. Like, it's, yeah, it's kind of too G. So, um, you've used a word a few times that I don't really understand what it means, and that's uh, indexicality. And I I read that when I was working, when I was putting together a presentation on your work and you. Um, I, I, I don't just use that a couple of times and I tried to work it out in my head what that might mean, but I'm probably just writing my own meaning to it. What do you mean by that? Um, in the, in the, in the end of the 19th century, the, uh, um, the developed, uh, the, uh, and I get the semiotic, the base, the three basic ones being the. The, the 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 icon, the symbol, and the index, um, and I think the index is extremely important for drawing, making singular images. With the icon being, if you imagine, uh, I always think an easy way to imagine it is a public toilet, and you want to know which is the men or the woman. Mm-hmm. Well, the icon has the man form, you know, with the two, and the woman maybe has the skirt form, and the, and the symbol would be the the round circle with the cross, or the circle with the arrow pointing up, but shall we, in a sense, we have, we have to learn the symbol, now which one is the man and the woman, but the icon, um, we, 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 we see it looks like the man, it looks like the woman. Um, the index, he said, was, was a third, was a third category in which we are, we have, it may be, oh, I actually, the point is, uh, examples of using that, but, but it's the trait we may leave behind, <laughs> the footprint on, on the beat. If you see why right, it's not the best yeah. example, um, the footprint on the beach, the smoke, the, the, the smoke signifying fire. So, 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 and for me, I, I kind of really enjoyed that idea of indexicality, um, as being the, the drawing, the drawn mark, and indeed the whole history of art, the, the cave painting we were turning, talking about earlier, or people leaving the index behind, there's traces of their presence, although they are now lo- no longer there. I think part of the, the, the feeling when we go to a museum and we look at a Rembrandt is that you, you, you're aware that you're standing where he was, that, that he left this index, his mark making behind, which is having a conversation with the index of the present face no. that he was painting. So the whole thing becomes this kind of discussion of index. Um, so, so it's really, uh, you could use the word trade if you like, well, a mark trade that was left behind. I see. So you're saying that, um, uh, and this would be something that would distinguish a handmade piece from a digital piece is that yes. there is a literal Absolutely. movement. Got you. Got you. Yes. In, um, that's interesting. And, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, please. Go. Sorry. And then it, again, if we bring it up to, 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 the, to, to now, it, it, it kind of even more, gives even more, I guess, kind of agency to the works you're making in relation to uh, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, pixeled images or, or digitally manipulated images, which don't, simply don't have that. And like, maybe we're, we're printing them out with a, a blotter or something. But even then, yeah. I, I would argue that yeah, that index, that kind of, uh, that, that, that extreme singular experience can't be embodied in, in, within technology. It has to be something coming out of something with a pulse, something. Yeah, the, uh, the word that, um, that uh, I, I like, I would say one of the more maybe like three most important word for me as I've learned a little bit more about painting through school is painterly, 
And so like, that's the word that the program that I'm going to use is quite a bit. So like, I didn't really understand what that meant at first. And it's like, oh, okay. So this is, you know, for listeners who might not be as versed, you know, I, I didn't know that when you can see the way the brush, um, the actual hairs on a brush is leaves behind, um, an in, uh, something on the image on the painting that, you know, that was made by a brush or if you were finger painting, you could tell it was the finger as opposed to making a hyper-realistic piece where the, the brush strokes here, you know, that, that would be considered more painterly. And my value wasn't as much around that. I really valued a realistically rendered image. And now I've become, I actually can see in certain pieces where I get some pleasure around and I feel something when I see brush stroke, especially when that brush stroke isn't, doesn't become the thing itself it's still participating in creating an image bigger than itself. And that's a lovely, um, I would actually, I, I'm starting to cons value that every bit as much as, um, as when the brush strokes on, or, or the, you know, anything to create an image when that disappears. Um, I, I, I really like both of those things. And so that's, that's one, one place, you know, where I personally would like my, uh, my, my art to grow would be to leave behind my mark, you know, that in index accountability that, that, yeah, this was me. I was here, you know, I mean, as it is something we're all kind of craving, desiring to do this idea of leaving our mark, you know, we're only here for a finite number of years. And, and I, I'm sure I, I'm convinced that it's part of the process of, of wanting to render the world in images in, in this way that, that, that has something to do with desire for, for some kind of immortality. Well, and this is another area, why, well, another reason why I chose art, uh, sorry, painting in particular, is because uh, you know how uh, calligraphy, like, oh, uh, like, a, like Japanese masters of, of creating the, the words, um, I don't know what the Japanese term is for that, but creating of those, uh, of those images, uh, they're not images, but, but the actual language, whole art in itself. And they, they actually, as I understand it, they relate that art and it's taught similarly alongside sword fighting, um, because mm -hmm. it is, you, know, you have a thing and you're making, you know, a movement. And so a lot of the principles of movement, they translate to those two arts, to those two actions. And one thing I've noticed, because I have been a dancer and I have been a martial artist, and I put a lot of energy into two things for many years in past part, you know, times of my life, is that a lot of the same um, movement principles will actually come in, uh, that is to say, you know, I'm not saying I have this acute of an eye, but I'm curious if you do or if you know people who do or if this is just bullshit. <laughs> but you can see when a person is tense or when their personality, what they're holding in their body, if you see enough of a person's work and it is more that style or gestural style, you can see that in the way that the actual mark is made, you know? And so this uh invites me as an artist to continue that growth 
and how I hold my body and how I relax my body in ways I'm trying to uh, become stronger, fighting physically, you know, in ways I'm, I'm becoming more coordinated. Um, it, it invites me to continue that physical practice. And I love that. And I think there's also something to be said about how our image communicates in that kind of pre-linguistic uh, sense. You know, we, we go through, the, the, uh, if we believe in, if we uh, or speak about the development of the ego, that, that we go through the whole I, the age before, before language is the acquiring language, that, that the images are, are, you know, this imaginary realm that we inhabit. Um, and it, and it, what it, what's amazing is what, what, what you were just saying, that, that these abstractions, this kind of pre-linguistic communication, is there tension, um, uh, gestures, um, you know, the, the, you know, the, the movement that you were talking about, we, we recognize them back in image. We recognize them back in, in, you know, they, they, they are really, in, in, of the, the most gestural bank I can think of off of my head is, uh, they become like Jack and Pollock film, yeah. uh, compared to somebody maybe like Gerhard Richter, yeah. and certainly some of Richter's work, which is, which is extremely controlled. They, I mean, we, we read the, we read this as a, as a, as a form of science. It's a feeling, um, uh, which we don't really need languages. We don't, I'm sorry, we don't need some the language for. It, it is something which is like inhabiting that, 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 that bit which we go through. I think it's a, a pre-linguistic being that, that stays with us. And we just have to kind of, I think, recognize that later in life as part of the process, I think, of making images becoming, you know, maybe we can use the word mature art. So have you had uh, periods in your in your artist uh, career where you have been yeah. more gestural and less gestural? I tried, but no, it, it's just not me. It, it, I, I'm, I'm highly controlling. <laughs> it's, I'm kind of obsessive, and and, to, and, and it seems to genuinely to 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 to, 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 to gestural. Yeah, but but I've always you know I mean small small marks of gestural period. They just gestural in a different way. Cool. And tight mark for gestural in a way. Um, they, so yeah, I know. I, I mean, I tried it. Did I? Then, it was really. Can you uh, tell me a little bit of yeah, that yeah. disaster? <laughs> um, well, no, they, they have all been, they all ended up on the rubbish pile of many years ago. Uh, yeah, just, I, I think kind of, if kind of not being honest with yourself, um, at that time, I guess in the nineties, certainly here, there was a tendency that a lot of painting was coming out of Germany, extremely gestural, just badly, people, notebooks, and, and, and that, that this was kind of how one made a painting. And if mm -hmm. you weren't making a painting in that way, you had, had you had to be extremely strong in your reason and to, to be saying, well, no, I inhabit a, a small world, a very hermetic world, a very controlled world. And, and, uh, I think obviously you're, you're, as you're younger, as an art student, it's, it's hard to kind of have that discussion with yourself and be strong in it because you're not, you know, you haven't, um, I, I think you're matured that decision, that, that discussion yet. But, but obviously now I realize that and I think actually these are my, these are the strength. These are, these are things that I, which is how I am as a person. And, uh, yeah, I don't think it's kind of finding. The, 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 the power of the work has come through that and, and 
And, and as I said earlier, realizing that, that control and, and the small mark and the gesture and the hermeticness is a language. We don't, I don't need to throw the paint across the council yeah. um, to, 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 to do that. But because that language is communicating in a different way. Uh, and at the same time, do you feel like that, um, that attempt to become more gestural, do you feel like that was valuable? And how long did it last? How long did you stay there? Well, oh, not very long. Um, it, no, I, I, it, what, it was valuable in that hoping what I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. You know, at some point you go, God, I'm not being honest. I'm not being honest. It's not me. It's not me. It's not how I do. Um, uh, so you're valuable in, in as, as I think a lot of things are at, at, in education, that you realize what you yeah. shouldn't be doing and, and aren't good at much as what you are and should be doing. You know, well, my, uh, my tea, really glad she, uh, she gave me, um, you to study, uh, um, and she did it because of your, uh, highly rendered pieces. And that's my, that's where I naturally land. Um, I am attempting to loosen up and explore, uh, more gestural, more painterly. Um, I, I'm curious about it. I, I would be fine with, um, not landing there as, as the place that as, as, as part of my language, you know, and part of my index, you know, what, mm -hmm. what my index, what my trace is. Um, I, but I am also curious and, uh, what's nice is that uh, I can, I value any and all as more in a way that I would value different languages, you know, continuing that like metaphor lens with which to look at, at, uh, mm -hmm. uh, at art and, uh, you know, um, but man, it is not where my mind naturally goes. Um, was since I was a kid, my, my strength was to look at something and be able to recreate it and not to do that from imagination. That's not my strength. That's another area that I, I am going to in my art, in my, uh, academic, my learning career, plastic career, I, I'm going to I continue to explore is how much can I imagine something and put it down. And I have been doing that and, and that's great too, but also not a strength and not where I naturally go. So I have asked myself, um, what you just basically said, which is, Gosh, am I uh, wasting time? Just get better at creating images in the way that you naturally speak in your native tongue. You know, just get better mm -hmm. because, because, because the images that you can create in that language, the words, the story you can tell in a language, the stories are, there's a million versions, you know, there's a million stories. So do I need to go out and learn another language? No, you can grow by the, by the different stories you tell with that language, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, that, that maybe it's something I mentioned earlier, but it comes down to being honest with yourself about that. I think what, what, what I realized in my art school period, the times that, yeah, it, 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 I wasn't being honest with myself about what I was and how long and indeed what my natural language was. It was only when I, when I, I think found that, that uh, it really took one kind of, you know, became something that I could take responsibility for. And then you see, nobody can tell you that's right or wrong because it's your language. You're responsible for it. If you're saying, no, this is how I am and this is where I stand. No one can, they may not be interested, they may move on, but they can't tell you you're right and wrong. Where somebody coming in and I've made my gestural abstract painting lady 
and I'm trying to stand there and use this word that we used earlier, this dreadful word, justify it. But they can say you're not being honest. And in fact, they're saying you're wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think it took, it took me, you know, it takes a while to get there. I mean, some, I, I, you mentioned earlier some people are good at being artists. I would say those people are the people have that, are good at having that discussion early on. And it took me quite a while. Exactly. And, did it really? Um, I mean, I'm surprised by that because it seems like you really, I just didn't know that it took you a long time. Can you tell a little, yeah, maybe speak a little bit to that? Well, I mean, partly because you're going against maybe the, the, the questions of the art. Certainly when, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was, when I did my first like solo exhibition thing or 2000, even to be drawing wasn't necessarily seen as valid uh, 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 practice. I'm not saying it wasn't accepted, but, but I think there was far more attention for, for, uh, for uh, people working video and installation. Um, so, so in effect, you kind of used, I think I was already up against it in, in that way. And, you, and it makes you kind of, yes, sir. You, know, you, you know, you have to have those questions about why you're doing it. And, uh, and uh, in, in order to kind of have the strength to be able to, to create a space where you felt where people are interested in it coming and seeing and realizing that, that there is a connection between what they're seeing and, and this kind of person that's made it, because the language that he's discovering. I, I, lo- I really, really yeah, uh, I was really looking forward to this conversation, primarily because I do value um, being able to speak about um, uh, what one does, why one does it, and get specific with language, get specific with the definitions of the words that uh, one uses to describe uh, and to share uh, and to discuss why they do and what they do. Um, seems like you do that very well. And it, I really admire it. And, um, and I, I, I think that ability to define words to land in a place not only your take that you're describing but to land on how you describe it just everything is very firmed up and there's a lot of ground with which uh from which to move and i kind of think of language uh, i think of uh, of having an inner world and um many things create that inner world as opposed to our outer world so for example values our beliefs our thoughts mm-hmm. or nations in my my little world that you know the where i'm landing and how i'm how i'm describing the world that's where i'm that's how i look at things and i like when there's i think of that as a world as a land and is the land firm you know are the buildings that we go into to protect ourselves in our inner world um, you might say strong or do they need to be ripped down what does it look like down here is it a functioning society of thought belief and value you know and in the chaos of, of one's inner world and of thought and, and the uh, mercurial um, way that our emotions, you know, go and why they might be happening. I just feel like as much solidity as we can bring to our inner world so we can get it into the outer world, uh, the better, you know, the more the better. And one and the ways that I am I'm curious about how to do that are through language because those are one of the primary ways that we get the inner world out but also image 
you know, language and image. And so someone like yourself who <laughs> has put so much effort into creating a, a very clear conduit from what I would term your inner world to your outer through image and words, it's remarkable to see the effects of that and to speak with you and, and share a little bit about that. It's really inspiring and, and a pleasure too. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I'm firming up my terminology. No, I, that, why, why I'm still kind of cut the impression that I could get. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean I, I'm curious when, when you're talking about that inner world and the outer world, in a sense, if we think of maybe more, you know, I, I wonder how, at what point you make a decision that the image you've created represents that inner world. What, what is it about that, that you said that, that shit? Oh, can you say that one more time? Yeah, kind of, I, I guess maybe what, what, what the process is between, you know, you, you're talking about that, that through image, you, your inner world is coming out from, in, in some kind of form on, on, a, on a canvas paper, whatever. At what point, at what point do you know that, 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 that is there? At what point do you recognize that inner world and say, that's it, I've, I've got it. And what, what elements of that do you look for in, on, in the images that you're making? And they, they are truthful to that inner, inner language. That's an old question. <clears throat> so that's been really hard personally because I have gotten in the past lost in the possible ways that that, that can show up. I mean, Ovid, uh, I could choose any genre, any, any uh, topic of discussion, and there could be an image that would, that would be accurate or that would be indicative of what I'm of my inner world that would be authentic. So for me, it does have a lot of wide range of taste, you know? So what I had to do to not get lost in the possibilities and the many different ways that, that what you're saying could look is I had to decide on an environment in which to play and then stick to it. <laughs> and and then create images that I can now be like, oh, no, that one doesn't. I don't recognize that as myself mm -hmm. and as something that came from the sound of something being strummed inside. No, that's not. That's out of tune. That's a discordant. That's, I don't recognize it. Uh, and the environment that I chose, and it's kind of funny, and I don't know how serious my uh, fellow students or teachers take it, but it was actually a really good decision for me to make is uh, a dry creek bed. And uh, I, I've always really resonated. That has always been a meaning, not always, but like for the last 15 years, that's just been, it, it, it meant something to me. I felt something. I felt a sense of mystery and possibility. And, and so I would take these walks uh, in them and it was meaningful to my personal uh, story and where I live in, in, in California. And um, it also uh, was uh, an environment that um, was very labyrinthine. And there's this idea of a, way, of a time in a person's life when they descend into their personal labyrinth of, their, of their, themselves and they confront what is there, you know, and mm -hmm. the dangers mm -hmm. and the wonders. And I thought, whoa, well, that, that environment, I can now put all kinds of things 
in that environment. I can put a scene in uh, in in a room even in that because you can you can dr- create an image where in the side of the creek bed there's an entrance into a building and then you can go into that building. I just gave me some groundwork and I don't know if that makes any sense the way I'm saying it, but it made a lot of sense to me and it has given me um, an environment and some some borders for at least that I don't know for how long, but now I've started to kick out images from that and they all take place in that and I'll get a little more painterly and I'll. Um, in elements of, of abstraction, mm-hmm. abstract some of it. I'll get more realistic. I'll have a conversation about a topic, chuck it in the creek bed. You know, I'll put the bones of an ancient animal in there. Um, I'll put, uh, uh, um, uh, I'll put, um, a castle in there, um, to explore my own history with wanting to learn how to draw a castle was the first thing I ever wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. I'll put post-apocalyptic elements in there, um, ancient elements. It allows me to play with time. And it's just, you know, you can even hear the way I'm talking about it. It's all over the place. But at least it has these borders that I can mm-hmm. move through. And that has been very helpful. And I have noticed that some of those images, they do not, they're not authentic, you know, or as authentic. It's a spectrum, right? There's a degree mm-hmm. of authenticity. Uh, but some of them, David, I was like, I did it and all that, but the ones that like the, I did, it came from those have come from sometimes as flippant of a thought as I want to paint whale bones, you know, why? Okay, good. I can dive into why and answer that question. But the actual truth is because it seemed fascinating, you know? And what I'm struggling with is that answer, it seemed fascinating, doesn't seem to be good enough for uh, some people. And I like that it's not good enough because now let's tease it out. But I have noticed, and I appreciate the question and let me kind of like work it a little bit, that I need to get to more successful, more more yeses, I did it, than, than, than not because... It's so much time to create these images. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so I, I want to attune more. And, and that's one of the things that I wanted to throw back at you, unless you had something to say you know, about what I just said is, is how do you have more successes than failures? Where does that come from for you? What does your process look around that? Quite. Um, just coming back, you just put me really, really hard. But if I just come back to the whale bone. Yeah. You know, the idea you wanted to join it and you felt that that was inadequate to say because I'm fascinated by it. It brings us back to what we were talking about at the beginning, in a sense. It seems to me that there seems to be a tendency that if we can put it into another other symbolic form, i.e., word, in a, in a convincing way, that in some way your drawing will change and become something we can appreciate as a great work of art because you've been able to say next to this. Is this text, which, which explains it. There's a marvelous essay by Susan Sontag uh, uh, against interpretation, in which she discusses exactly this, as if a discussion of a play or a film really? or artwork, artwork is, 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 is more authentic or tells us more about the, the artwork itself than, it, than it, it's doing it. So my, my point is, if one works the matter, take your answer. It just fascinates me. And I would say, well, then the answer is then not one whalebone drawing, but a hundred whalebone drawings. 
Then you've got a different language. Then you've got something happening which somebody comes in and says, wow, this person's obsessed by whalebone images and look at them. What is a whalebone? What is it doing? What does it mean to render that? So, so, so in a sense, it's like about noticing within your practice, I think, that it, it, we don't have to be on a linear trail on making an image. It's about this. If it's about this well enough, it, it takes all of these boxes, but it's good. I can continue. About saying, well, no, let's look a bit more laterally at, at this, what I've done, made this. What does it mean to make one make it? How do they have a conversation with each other? And as I said, you expand that out to a hundred or something. You've got something happening. You've got kind of a, a, a body of work emerging based purely on what you just said earlier. I find it fascinating. So I don't think anyone then can come into that space of yours and say, they're going to say, wow, you're fascinated by whale bones and look how different that one is to that one and that one is to that one. And you enter into a language about the image. So have I had failure? Yeah, because I don't always follow my own advice, but I just gave you. I try and talk myself through a work. And then in a sense, it comes down to what we said earlier about honesty. You know, if I'm forcing a dialogue on onto a, a drawing or painting or something, in the hope that it's going to embody some greater uh, uh, language, it's often quite, the, uh, the, I would call it dishonest. Uh, for myself, uh, and it's only through kind of, I think, kind of comedy, in a sense, taking a, a back seat and saying, well, what, you know, why, why do I find, why do I find this box or this thing in front of me so fascinating that I can start to have, I think, what I would have a more, maybe genuine dialogue what it may be. that actually, that, uh, that, uh, I haven't quite an emotional response to what you just said, um, because, because there's this, this, this like, um, push within me and within society to move on and to, and especially as a student, you, you're encouraged to try something new. You're don't get me wrong. Like my professors are smart. I'll encourage you to go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> too, but I think more for me, there's this, this this impulse to like turn the channel there's something in my there's a room in my world that is where there's a tv on all the time and the channel is just always being changed and so there's this experience i have in the world and you know, i want to change mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um and gosh you know just to to turn that that tv onto a channel of something that's fascinating that is just an image and and then to and then to express uh, the echoes of that image in the real world over and over slightly different very different see what happens it's it's another micro version of the choice i made around the creek bed sorry you were going to say something yeah no i mean and also again the minute we start talking on those terms about making singular images in that sense you can't help but refer to the, the digital side you know, the swipe culture and yeah. the, the, the real Low, low, um, uh, 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 kind of low currency value of, of images uh, within the culture existing. So, of course, you, you know your whalebone. To, to use that 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 uh, that example, yeah, talk about that as well. They start to talk about as well as the, 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 obviously what's embedded within the idea of a bone of a fossil or a lot. You know, um, they also will talk about the nature of looking and, and making within. 
Well, you know, even as we've been speaking, um, you know, I did. So uh, if you'll indulge me for a moment, just to uh, share a little bit about my particular place in my art, um, my artistic journey, you know, and uh, life is I did this series of eight pieces and the whalebone piece, piece was one of those. And I really liked it. And and it inspired thing enough people. Uh, it sold very fast. It just is, you know. And a couple of those pieces did that. Um, but it got me thinking more and putting more employee on on bones and the idea of bones. And then I thought, you know what I'm interested in is or another thing is an ancient animal's bones, an animal that doesn't exist anymore, you know? What are those, what would those, how interesting, what, what might those bones? And then I thought, what about a shark's bones? Sharks don't have bones, they're all cartilage. But what if we made bones for a shark? What would those look like? And then I thought, what if we made bones for anything? What would a guitar made of bones, not made of human bones, but a guitar's bones? What if a guitar was made of bones? You know, you know what I mean? And then you could, and then my mind was just, oh yeah. So this discussion is, is making me realize it's a sense of allowance of, yeah, just stick to that. Just play with that. That That's a decent enough idea. And it's a, and interesting enough to me. And it, it visually could be interesting. Go, go for it. And I just really appreciate that encouragement. I mean, it, it, it's about following your fascination and your obsession. And as we said, indeed, only before that becomes a gesture, you know, that becomes something which you, you, you talk to me about how you, you've rendered I that, the detail you, you detail you put into it. These, these are, these are languages, the kind of visual languages, which, which we kind of all instinctively kind of communicate, pick up on and have a conversation. Yeah. I see what you mean about that. It, uh, the, the, um, ways that the words that you use to describe Brad, um, this, yeah, they're starting to make, um, they're starting to make more sense and I'm starting to get it. Um, get that idea of leaving our gestures behind of, of having a language that our art being a language, uh, I was a little bit confused and I know we're starting to get close to the time here, but I, I did want to wrap just regarding some of your definitions. When you said skill, um, and there was the, another thing, it was skill and our um, technique. Can you just, do, what you mean by the, those two things, particularly skill and technique? Because I get those confused. Um, well, I, I think skill is probably quite objective. Okay. You know, I think that that's relates on, I can see, um, if one, you know, you have to look at a painter like Rembrandt. Rembrandt, never, he was extremely skillful. Um, Oh, I, I would say that they had written as well an extremely skillful painter. So, but, but, but there are people who kind of argue, but well, yes. maybe those definitions, but you see what I mean? It's, it's, it's an arguable sound. Where technique seems to be something in which you follow a set of rules. Yes. So, um, I, um, I can play, draw, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taught to do something and can I do that skillfully or not? Am I, am I, can, do I have an attitude to it? And then how is the, when you, the way you use our, uh, la- the, um, the word language, when you're talking about your art, how does that play into, to those two definitions? I think it's about how you read something. 
how you, if, if you go, when you, when you see a painting, when I go back to the, uh, a bit to the rendering and you see that, that, that he scratched out a line to, to, to highlight some rough color. That's the language. I'm, I meant, I, 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 I understand his mind that I was chosen to scratch with his paintbrush, white line, that, that paint. Um, it's not a language in the sense of it, you know, a, you know, a, a symbol or a word, it, but it, but it, 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 a painterly technique, which is becoming language. And, and, and my point would be that, that when you were, we were talking earlier about the, the gestural mark in my, when I scratched out the face of the guy on, on the, on the image, that's also the, the, the idea is that that, that, that is a language, it, that it, it's, it's talking about being gestural and yet not being gestural. So, so, um, so with embodied within that, 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 that graphite that's placed on, on the, on the picture is all sorts of layers of, of ways of kind of discussing what's actually happening and that I, I would present as the language. Awesome. So, and if someone else did the same thing, that, w that doesn't mean it's the same language because this would be a, a light. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then kind of yeah. comes down to that so it, idea of indexicality again, that I'm a bit Rembrandt stretching into the, the paint. It just enforces yeah. indexicality, it enforces uh, uh, the idea of his language that my brain starts to interpret his thought process in that wiggly line. It, it's exactly. something we, which is it, it purely to do with image wow. and technique. That, that yeah, technique is like a, a broad thing that it can be the same between many artists, but a language yeah. um, is very personal. Um, yeah, so I would, yeah, I would I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, oh, sorry, you were going to say? I think we got, no, no, I, I, yeah, I think we got there. It inspires me. Yeah, yeah well, I, I love that. Yeah. I love getting specific with the way, and I can sense that you're, you're, you have your own language of language. Like, the word language means something different when someone else talks about it. So, you yeah, know, you're yeah. using the word language as part of your language, not to like Russian doll about it. But, um, you know, I, that inspires me to uh, start to notice and develop my own language. What, what uh, gestures do I really like that I do? Maybe that I've arrived to accidentally or naturally, you know, and then lean into it. Use them again. Yeah. Develop it. Um, yeah mental try on try new um, uh try new words try new um ways of of leaving my mark that uh might add to the lexicon of my personal creative language and then also just rep it out do a ton of work so i can you know so you can really um uh, get good at speaking through through that art i yeah i hope i'm i'm using these yeah go ahead yeah, no, and, and being responsible for that, what's happening. I think that that's the ultimate thing that you need, that they need to be kind of there the whole time. So it's when you see that mark coming back in three, four, five words, that you say, that's starting to mean something to me. That's starting to have it's kind of its own agency. I'm aware of that. And I'm, you know, have enter into that discussion about it. And that to me is far richer than saying that trying to find some kind of use this horrible word we use at the beginning, justification for the painting. Yes. There's an awful lot happening. There's an awful lot happening before we even get to the stage where it needs to be discussed on any of 
I and see. we that we need to and we need to kind of I think be aware be aware of that be aware of kind of how these singular images work and and uh, and how again coming back within the kind of the framework of digital society how they are they they create their own space to different and separate I think right. it's ultimate ultimately very human. Wow. Wow, this is beautiful. Um, thank you so much for uh, talk, uh, this time. And I um, I want to be clear too, you know, the professors that I've been speaking about and whenever I say I'm frustrated with, it's not them, it's my response to them and my my inability to have this discussion, not inability, but my lack of experience. And so there's been a bit of a learning curve in a really, in a really rewarding way um, because I would think that they would agree with everything that we've said. Um yeah. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I wanted to send you uh, uh, a bunch of work, three drawings and three paintings that I'm doing for, that I would like to finish in the next month. And I uh -huh. have started with painting. I'm practicing, um, starting a few at the same time and then working them all at the same time. It's just something I had never done. And it worked well with them. And I started this ser uh, series a few days ago, just three paintings. I just ripped ripped off a, a good pass on each one. Took maybe an hour and a half on each one for the day's work. And I'm looking at them all right now. And because it's so early, uh, they might as well be blank canvases. The idea, the uh, um, the composition is there. The, the image that I want to make, the bones that are there. But I had been looking at them and looking at them. And in one of them, there's this really interesting uh, tree that spans the length of the creek bed. And it's, it is like a femur bone. I mean, it is just, I was looking at it and feeling it when I was taking the images. And it's just very, and there's no branches. It's just like a bone, a long one across this. And I'm looking at it and I, I just like letting my brain dream up and and cast things that might be on or relating to that branch and panther laying over just been thinking about that a lot and it that doesn't it doesn't have a it's no language in my in my life a panther but i was like okay a person hanging from it you know a house behind it backlight i was just like just staring at the the first pass i did and what's going to go on it and, and um and doing that with each one of these pieces is that I, I just wanted to say that in each one of these, there's these lines that I made that represent the main tree that is kind of in each of these images. And I've been thinking about bones more. And, and I think that you helped me land on something to, to play with in these, which is, which is just bones. I don't even, it's not whale bones for me. It's just bones. Those mean something to me. They mean something deeply to me. When you break a bone, you know, I've broken several bones. Uh, it's at the core of you, but also, you know, bones themselves, they make so much inside and they're fascinating things. I'm fascinated with bones. And I think just this discussion has put a finer point on that fascination. And it's really invited me to be fascinated with it. And I really thank you for that. That means a lot to You're me. Welcome. <laughs> I, I, the, the, the painting color ivory black is made of burnt bones. Ivory black is made of burnt bones? Yeah. Wow. Is that why it's kind of a full chest? It's called ivory. I, I, yeah, we have to look that up. I, I would need the actual historical why I get the ivory. Maybe it was touched in the beginning. I'm not sure. But, um, 
Well, uh, I know we're up against time. I just wanted to ask one more question. Feel yeah. free to spend five seconds on it or five minutes. Um, but uh, how, where you are right now, what you're working on right now might relate to some of what we're talking about. What's challenging you right now with your own work? Are you, are you working right now a lot? Are you teaching instead? Like, where are you artistic? I, I mean, I am, I'm just, I'm starting things at the moment. And that's why it's really hard to answer that question because I, I think the whole, everything I've just been talking about is focused on going. So, so I'm, I'm waiting for things to, 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 to formulate to the point where I recognize what's happened. I've made a couple of small work and, uh, and I think I know where they're leading to, but I'm not sure now. So I, I would love to be really specific and say I, I had big mid project on, on the go. I, I, I but I can't be any more specific than just I'm at a point when I'm open to the image talking to me and noticing something within it that's going to lead the next thing I have to make. And I'm, I, that's really, really vague. But um, how I am. And when you say the image, do you mean you have one they are you're already looking at playing with and developing? Yeah, or are you yes. just saying that vaguely? No, no, no. There, there, there's a couple of things I've been working on, and and, and it, it it is going somewhere. Today. Um, I'll know in I'll know in the six months that it's going to be the thing. I'm and that process is just: uh, do you journal about it? Do you dream about it? Do you think about it? Do you talk about it? How do you how do you land? Um, well, this has come out of quite a personal experience. With this current project, which is actually something quite new for me. And now, now I get an actual physical experience rather than maybe a digital that translated into drawing in the past. We would have a type of experience. But so, so at the moment, I'm kind of like trying to balance the, the drawing with how this experience is affecting me and developing. I would love to be much more, but I don't have. I don't have the the, the um, I'm finding something batting at it a little bit. Yeah, I I, well, I can say I can just say I found something. I drew it, and I realised it related to a situation I was having in my life at the moment. And I'm seeing if if it valid to make a work that this work will develop and start to speak about this this experience. Is that something I want to do? Um. And so, so I'm kind of, yeah, it, it, the thing can balance. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's excellent. It's so helpful just to hear a little bit, even just that much about your process. So, and let alone that. So, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the one thing I've, well, the one thing I've learned, the, the older I get, the more I go through art with being an artist. I used to, I used to think that by the time I got to this stage of my career, I would have such a great idea of what I did and, 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 and then all the answers would be there and I would just be working and. And it's not, it, it gets harder and harder. It, it, it's harder because you're part of some system that expects things. And harder because you, you expect more from yourself to keep redefining, reinventing uh, uh, your practice. Um, and I, it, it never stays still. Take that, that point, I think, of the mental gratification when I will know why I'm here and what I'm doing and it'll be. I kind of give up on that. I'd start from scratch again. 
I guess the only thing is you have, you have some hindsight and you can recognize things. You're used to seeing how things look. Yeah. Generally, yeah, you jump off the cliff again every time. All right. Cheers to the jump. Um, well, thank you. Do you want to direct anybody to any of your work on any platforms or anything like that? Um, like well, in the Instagram one or no, the website. DavidHaines.org. What are you? I think that's the nice thing. Represent what I do. Well, I know your time is valuable, um, as all, as is all of ours. But um, really, thank you so much for so much of it and uh, quality of attention. It's a it's a huge. Um, really means a lot. Thank you. Thank, 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 thank for asking me out well. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, bye, David. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. What did I say last time that didn't make sense? Field dressing. Oh, you said, oh, well, that was for a different episode. The next episode. That was right. the next episode, yeah. Yeah, I said, let's let's cut this. Let's, let's, let's gut this guy. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> it's nice, though. It's kind of nice, you know. Matt, has a, field, has a person ever been field dressed in life? You know that's happened. Oh, I'm sure countless times. Ugh. Countless. I saw this thing. Uh, on I think it was a Joe Rogan episode that he was talking some with someone about the the real life still are they still are cannibals in like Borneo or something I can't remember uh. where they were. but it was cool because it you know people think oh they eat people but it's yeah. it's actually part they are cannibals and they're still alive and they're still doing it well actually I don't know if they're still doing it but their history was they would it would only happen when they were at war. And battle was done. It was part of their ritual was to eat some of their enemy. Yeah, to get their power. I don't know. Is that what it is? I don't know. That's what I always used to say. I'm I'm, going to eat my enemy to get his power. That's dark. Okay. That's what you always used to. Who are you? (laughs) The layers are being peeled back here, man. (laughs) Well, I said it. I mean... I don't know. You know, th- uh, this is a funny segue from uh, talking about art with uh, David Haynes and to, well, I think- <laughs> to cannibalism. Poor guy. <laughs> it's okay to tell the audience that we're recording this this field dressing at a different time. Yeah, we usually yeah. don't do that, but we had you know, circumstances that we had to work with. So, yeah, uh, but I have to talk about cannibalism at least a little bit here. Please do. I love. Yeah. That. Um, the, I mean, the, you know, the Spanish, the Spanish, when they, they conquered Mexico, well, when they started coming into Mexico, um, the, the Aztecs were like crazy cannibals. I mean, they were like, like, um, there's Mexican dishes, like, um, what is that dish that's still around now? That's like tripe. It's a soup. What is that Mexican soup called with tripe? Oh, let me think about it, but keep going. You are umming and umming and awing and umming your way through this. Thank this. you. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is, it was previously made with humans. Oh my up God. Up to the Spanish. Really? And then the Spanish were like, stop doing that. But oh. they, but they would, they made the, they ate the hell out of the Spanish. Then they made the Spanish eat their own dudes. And it was only because of smallpox and more and in armor that the Aztecs were killed. But oh, menudo! You're menudo. About- that's it. That's it. 
You know, I have to stand up for the Aztecas for a second. I heard something recently. I'm not mad at him. (laughs) But but what you're saying is like the Aztecas were brutal like that. Yeah, they're super brutal. I don't know if that's totally true. Oh, dude. No, 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 no. Go listen to Dan Carlin's History of Mexico and and have your brain blown. It is a three-hour, like, tour de gore. You're just like, what is going on? But come on, man. Do you think that's sensationalized a little bit? And also, were the Aztecas much worse than the other cultures that were there right before? That's not not what anyone's saying. I mean, because if you've read uh, Empire of the Summer Moon, the, the Comanches were also insanely brutal i think it's just like the brutality of humankind i mean well that's my point yeah i'm not saying the aztecs were especially brutal i'm just saying that they there was like yeah i mean dude the the freaking spanish were brutal in their own way i mean they but but to the point of eating people is like that's a yeah you know i mean comanches did that too there's tons of natives that did that yeah yeah oh you know okay all right okay (sighs) hmm and Ron Cecil wanted to to get the power of his his enemies. <laughs> okay, all right. So we were talking with David Haynes, and by we, that's a loose term for this one, because you joined, and then had to leave, which was the first time we've ever done that. And I continued on my own, which was the first time I'd ever been on Cutting for Sun on my own. How did it feel? Well, this is the thing about that conversation that was unique on addition to that is that that was the first time i've spoken with an a professional artist who's a painter and someone who is in a drawer who so he's doing what i do yeah. and he's a professor and so he's entrenched in academia and that combination of active artist while you're in active academia is a version of what I'm I'm doing a version of that in being a student and a professional artist it's unique and a lot of the teachers for example that I've heard about I don't know this is true but in the teaching world you know you're you're teaching a lot it's a it's a huge part of your life so how much room does that leave to be an artist an artist yeah And I'm sure there are varying answers to that, but I got the impression from David is that, you know, he, he is still an artist and he sounds yeah. like he doesn't need to do it. He can take his time with his projects, which I appreciated, but I have to answer your question. It was, I wanted to, I wanted to show up, you know, really show up. And yeah. I would like, I value being able to speak about things and I am learning how to speak about art in school and with professors and with my fellow students. And so to jump into a conversation with someone I don't know, who I do respect, and I like really like his art, <clears throat> and then to have him be a show up and be awesome, you know, hmm. I, lo- I really liked him. Yeah. I, I probably was about as nervous as I've ever gotten on this, which is not much. I do not get nervous. I'm very comfortable in this. But if I were to put a have a time where I was, part of that too is there's a time difference and he's a long way away and his internet connection wasn't great and all of that adds a lot. And so it was very much the most I felt like I had to step up on cutting for sign. You weren't there, my boy. You know, I didn't have yeah. a person to 
you know, fill those silences. And there's a lot of, so does that answer your question? It was a lot of layers, man. Well, I listened to, I listened to the rest of it and, and you did a good job. Really? I mean, yeah. You don't need to sweat that. You did. I, and I, and I also knew you were, how you felt about it. And cause I mean, I, I went back and looked at his work after the fact I looked at it before, yeah. but then really like, you know, deep dive afterwards and was like, Oh, cool. oh God, this shit's really cool. Like really, really cool. Cool and intense. Like super intense. It is so intense. Yeah. And it feels like I mean, I mean, it's hard to some of it. I was like, that's not a photo. That's that's realism, man. Gosh. That's why yeah. my teacher gave me him to study is because I generally tend toward the realistic. Yeah. But it depends on what you're comparing it to, you know? Mm -hmm real photorealist or or hyper realist mm. i've had fellow students here refer to me as a hyper realist you know and i'm like in my head i'm just like dude go google hyper realism <laughs> you know yeah it is realer than the real thing that's the whole point it's like you're on it's like you're micro dosing you're on a museum dose of mushrooms looking at something but you're sober that's what hyper realist it's incredible yeah, I've seen a couple that. examples of it, and thought, I've seen a couple examples in person, and was, and was I couldn't I get my head around. Really? It. Yeah. There's a painting within three blocks of you in Portland, buddy. Where's it at? In my friend's apartment. Would he mind if I just walked in? <laughs> I know how much you'd love that. <laughs> um, he's he's my coming back to this cannibal cannibal part. <laughs> back to your little, you're 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 wanting to pull a heist part, you know? Yeah. Just to just to tease you, just to get your hackles up and your jowls slobber. And there's a there's a painting that would be worth a very nice car. Uh, oh man, lots of you. But it's a hyper realist. It's a it's a uh, I believe her name is Shelley. Shelly might not be her first name, but Wolf. And she's a Portland area artist, probably one of the most well-known artists. Wow. She's a hyper-realist. And this friend of mine bought one of her most uh, prized paintings. And it's a still life, unlike you've ever fucking seen, man. It is, well, maybe you have, you, you've seen some art. It, it, it has open art, fine art books, right? Mm. Sitting on a table. So you have to recreate a piece of fine art that's on a curved surface and at an angle sitting in a book. Oh, yeah, that's what you're saying. Then that thing is reflected in a mirrored chrome vase. Whoa. And then this thing is about eight feet by eight feet. The painting? And there's probably a hundred items like that on this Whoa. table. It's spectacular. Wow. Uh, is, is she autistic? <laughs> and I don't mean that in a degrading me oh, way. I mean, I mean, in a, is there a part of her brain that is so strong for visual and reproduction that it's like, cause when I, I, I had a uh, autistic kid in a Sunday school I taught when I was, when I was in my early twenties, whose dad was the drummer of the church that I was at. Okay. And, that little boy at like 10 years old would hear the songs that we played in church one time and they were memorized and he would go home and he would play them all on a guitar with his dad and his dad would play the drums and he, and he had to do the set to complete it. He had to reproduce it and he was good at it, like really good at it. Wow. Yeah. And he was, you know, this young autistic guy and it was like, man, there's a part of his brain that's like, just, you know, 10, it's like, Mega mind in that part of the world. 
You know, I, I, I got it. She probably scratched saying probably that she's autistic. <laughs> um, your medical yeah. diagnosis. Yeah, Cool. But her yeah. name is Sherry Wolf. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and that's so with David Haynes, you know, he he does very realistic stuff. It's gorgeous. And I really enjoyed how he was saying that he's so he's so specific with his vision and his intention and the why of what he does that it's important to him those fine small little marks that create this realistic image are the way he's leaving his mark and his index and his trace on this earth and the way he's doing that is meaningful to him and been chosen and it's authentic to him and i just i really school is teaching me and, and requiring me and its students to get very clear of why they're doing something. Mm. And one of the questions I asked him was something around the lines of how do you balance being clear and consciously intention, uh, mm -hmm. having a conscious intention with letting the mystery of where art can spring from sometimes and why letting that live and breathe and be and, and exist. Um, and I really enjoyed that that was something that he had thought of and that, mm -hmm. you know, it validates my kind of like, like playing with that and, and working it out and struggling with it and being curious about it, you know? Yeah. I, I enjoyed how he, he felt surprised and honored that, his, that your professor suggested that you <laughs> study him and that, you know, that his work came up kind of in a, in, in a, a broad, or, you know, outside of his realm of influence that he, that he knew yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. uh, he had somebody who knew his work, was excited about it, and, and we got to have a conversation about it. I think my my guess is, <clears throat> if he knew us a little bit better, just on a, just on a conversational, he would have warmed up a little a bit more to us. I don't know if he if, or or even if he's even had the platform to talk about his work in this scenario outside of a say academic setting or gallery setting and stuff. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever been on podcasts. Yeah. You know, yeah. I tried with my research of him. I didn't find a lot of him talking about his stuff, but um, Eileen, my teacher, was yeah. also pretty tickled. I couldn't wait to tell her that I had. Yeah. He's, you know, not only am I doing this thing on this guy she found, but now we're going to go talk with him. You know, it's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, because now, now that I've looked at his work, I wish I could have like gone into some of his work. You know, like the he's got he's got a couple of uh, pictures that that look like an evangelist in a tent, like a tent preacher. Mm with a microphone talking. And I think that's the world I was, I'm kind of familiar with. And, and, I, and I'm like really curious what inspired him to do that. What, what it was modeled after, after what his feelings were that. Cause in the same series, there's like, you know, naked dudes and taking selfies in mirrors. And it's like, yeah. you know, and. Did you see the one where the guy's ass, I mean, it's like spread Eagle <laughs> asshole. It is. I did it. There's one never, in never in history. Maybe actually, maybe there's been plenty of times in history where someone talked about an evangelist and a spread eagle asshole <laughs> so closely together. <laughs> I hope to God I didn't. I'm not misremembering that, or I was accidentally on someone else's. I'm almost certain I'm not, because I was like, do I include this in my PowerPoint for the class? Dude, we're gonna talk about this. <laughs> I was just like, that is so bold and vulnerable. And you know, he he speaks about commenting through his art on um, 
gender and or not gender, but on sexuality, you know? Yeah. And so to I just think about doing a piece of art like that and putting it into the world. And I, I would have liked to have asked him more um, about if how he why he does that and if that's in still something he does was that a different period in his life and and if that has been challenging in any way having those images out there you know yeah that's a good question you're looking it up did you find well, it i i haven't seen it but it's like he's super into homoerotic stuff and and you know i i think there's i mean i'm gonna just say uneducatedly i think art in general is there's plenty of homoerotic stuff out there, even un, un, even unintentionally, you know. But I don't think that, from my understanding of his stuff, is that it's not, I'm into homoerotic stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's more, and I don't, this would have been nice, this is not the strongest, you know, uh, interview uh, type of conversation because we should ideally have gotten into this you know and, and yeah. maybe he would be worth having on again i i want to live in amsterdam someday and if yeah. i do I, damn i'll be damned if i'm not gonna go knocking on Coming back <laughs> ask him about if he wants to have a glass of wine you know and i want to hear more and get into some of this because i don't i don't think in any way it's a fetishizing uh, of that not that there would be a problem with that if it was but i got yeah. more, I feel like it was very personal to him i don't it doesn't feel fetishized like that looking at his work and looking at it right now i mean because there's also lots of violence and there's lots of lots of societal stuff looking at you know there's it's it just seems to be a part of some of what he was who was yeah. on um and you know because i think i think maybe i don't know i can't i don't want to say too much you know i want to talk out of my asshole as they say um but I'm looking at his stuff and there's quite a bit of violence in here in a way that is, <clears throat> is really challenging. And maybe that's, maybe that's part of what he's into is this, the, the challenge and not only the challenge, but the, um, the requiring us to look at things that exist that we don't want to look at. There's probably yeah. a word for that. Requiring us to look at something we don't want to look at. Yeah. Yeah making society look at things that it's trying to ignore um i don't think this is the right term but it reminds me of that journalistic term muckraking you know where huh. you go in and you 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 rake out underneath all the little slimy huh. uh, corners of society and yeah. you rake that muck into where people can see it you know but oh, yeah i think that's a little little bit different but let yeah. me ask you a question um hmm. You know, uh, that would seem like it might have been a little bit awkward from your perspective, uh, jumping in on something you knew was really important to me. And you have two people who are deeply entrenched in a field, um, him more so than me, but I'm, I, I spend eight yeah. hours a day working on art or around art. Um, you know, as an observer, I just curious, how was that conversation for you? And then when you listened back at me and him talking, what caught, caught your, caught your attention? Well, I definitely felt out of my element because I'm not an art critic. I'm an admirer of art. I've spent a lot of time in museums, a lot of time in museums, like probably more than your average bear because I, I do enjoy it, but I know I don't read about it, you know, so I, I can't like have a critical opinion about things, Yeah. but I'm in, like, I'm interested. Like I would like to have more artists on to talk about it. It makes me want to, it does make me want to get into uh, criticism. Is that the well, right phrase? Yeah. Yeah. Criticism. It yeah. sounds kind of mean. It sounds art, mean. Art critiquing. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
but I, I, I mean, I, I, I would, I would like to be more educated in it because I'm interested, but I, um, you know, so, so one, I was, I felt out of my own, but two, I was glad he was on there. And then three, to answer your question, I was happy to hear you, happy to hear you in your element and happy to hear you, you know, talk about some things as an artist. I heard you guys talking about what stood out to me was the discussion that you have about your own work and having to bring that to the surface to, to your audience or to potential audiences and how you're thinking about that. And, and I think that's, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we, we are, we live in a consumer culture right now more than anything. It's a consumer culture. And, and we, I, I always laugh when people, we watch these movies, we're like, oh, I was fine. But it was like, well, that was a $50 million fine. You know, that, that for you to say that was fine cost someone else $50 million and, and eight or nine months of their life to make. And we just like blow it off. But I, I love hearing how a director or a writer goes into that world. And then, then there's the whole art side and, uh, or I'm sorry, um, the whole actor side. And so it's a little bit in that veil to me to see you guys talk about your, your side yeah. of the art. I mean, I've gotten the gift of getting to talk to you about your art quite a bit, but, I've, but I, mean, I don't know a lot of other artists. So that's the conversation cool. that we're asked to have and the level of articulation. I mean, I, I went to the, the BFA students at this school uh, where I go are all have, oh, there's like five, five out of eight of the painting BFA students are all graduating. And so, yeah part of the end of their BFA is to have their BFA show. This is what their entire time here has led up to. And there's a little reception and they are, uh, their artist statement written out, their speech about it, um, and then answering questions. And, you know, I've been, I've gone to a, a couple of those and, you know, it's, it's a huge part of being an artist is sure. You have a lot of people who have a silent moment with your piece or pieces, and you never get to talk to them and they don't know what in, it intended what 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 was intended by you because they saw it in some environment that didn't engage that type of discussion um but then there are the people who you do get to explain what you do and why you do it and i am starting to really see the value in that for example our last guest john silvestri we had two we've had two painters in a row now mm -hmm. John Silva, John, I love. And he's, we hardly talked about John's work as a painter. Well, let me share a little bit. Yeah. He, he's a great worker and his art is unique to him. John decided not to go to school. I think he went for one semester or something. Then mm -hmm. he changed the business. And I do see a difference when I speak with John and hear him talk and about his art because he didn't go to school, that school isn't the point, because he hasn't entered fully into the conversation that's being had throughout history, yeah. you learn by, by learning about history. And then there's a whole nother conversation about contemporary art that's happening right now. And he's been out of the game to some extent for a few years because he's focused on his music. But I love John and I would have this conversation with him and be curious what he would say. 
I don't get the sense as much that he's participating actively in the conversation of art through history or contemporarily. He's yeah. doing his art. But how connected is it to other artists now? How connected is it to art history? You could argue that it's not that valuable to connect to those things. And maybe even it hurts your art. I, I get there's a whole discussion around that. But I am choosing personally, it's better for me to get connected to the story of art history and connected to the story that's being told now of contemporary art and then make a little bit of conscious choice around what I'm doing to maybe add to that discussion. Yeah. That better or worse? I don't know, but it's the choice I'm making. Keep making that choice. It's good. It's, it's cool to sense? watch your career. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, it made me think of my father-in-law who's a painter, prolific painter who who also dropped out of school um, and went into business, had a successful career, and then was like, I'm missing that part of my life. And he and he went back to painting and he's got a he's got a, a gallery in in San Diego, not San Diego. Carl Carlsbad. Carlsbad. No, I'm missing it's somewhere in North North County, San Diego. And he's having a great time, really enjoying himself and selling paintings. And and but but he's not having that conversation around what like his relationship with other painters in exactly. the world. I would so, I would say the same about about, yeah. about him, you know. And again, not a judgment, not a say. Yeah. For all I know, that's a better way to go. But yeah. the way I'm I'm going, I does feel valuable, Ron. And yeah. yeah, Morgan, I bought a piece of art in Santa Fe um, last year. Maybe it was this year. I think it was last year. That is having that conversation. It was by an artist who studied in Italy as an icon maker, iconographer, iconographer. Okay. You know, the two dimensional, like perfect icons of like Renaissance paintings. Print making thing? Yeah, it's, it's uh, well, I'm gonna fuck it up trying to- That's funny it. because my teacher who, who set this guy up with, with me, she's a printmaking teacher. And so be very careful if she listens to this with your- butchering of printmaking terms because <laughs> I don't know mine well enough to start to say you're right or wrong. <laughs> we come up like assholes, even more so than usual. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm never going to deny that, man. Uh, you know, let's see. Let me just look at this artist because he is, I don't want to fuck up his name. Well, this is fascinating. Uh, a listen to now, now we're asking our listeners to just kick it while Ron Googles stuff. Oh, they're done. I'm done. Michael Burke, B E R. G G T B E R G T. Um, what what does it say about Michael? Michael, there's too much, too much in here. But anyway, we, you know, the reason I was drawn to it was because there's a there's a strong Renaissance feeling. You've seen the piece of art, the woman on the horseback with death in the background. Um, I can't think of it right now. Oh, well, I'm I'm drawn to it because it has a connection to something old, and a co connection to um the past into high art and but it feels very fresh now you're looking for something yeah yeah i mean that's that's what i'm saying you know like it can we be even can we participate even more in art uh by connecting ourselves by knowing the story you know mm -hmm. and what i think and I, you know we should probably just have another conversation about this i know we're kind of getting a little bit long here yeah this is a huge part of my life and yeah and the question of, I think that people who are just really natural artists, they're in touch with that mystery, that deep, they probably don't need to be connected to history or contemporary. Yeah. 
They just yeah. need to do their thing. And they do are yeah. authentic, uh, a, a natural, untainted, but highly skilled potentially uh, pr- producer of, of these, these dreams, you know? But someone like myself, yeah. who has a lot of unwinding to do to get to that authenticity, it's better for me to see how other people have done it and see what they've done. And I think that's probably the best the way I can say it. I like that. Okay. There's more I want to talk about around art. Maybe we should do some art episodes every once and again to oh, keep I, the conversation. I would love that. Yeah. I've probably required. If you're a fucking artist, dude, we need to continue to have these Soldering conversations. Soldering for sun on art. On yeah. audio, you know, on being artist, so we could get into why you don't consider you're an artist as a fiction writer. This insanity, yeah. you know, that you persist upon. Well, I don't say that anymore. Thanks, yeah, asshole. Just, Thank you. <laughs> okay, here's my last question to you. Hit me. In a world where consuming someone's flesh to get their power, yeah. What artist would you kill and eat? To get their power right <laughs> that now. is a good question. Oh, I like your style. <laughs> I didn't. I thought you had me on the ropes there. I didn't. I thought you were going to knock yourself out. You had yourself <laughs> on the ropes there. No, that's a good question. Okay, first ones that come to mind. You know, Dolly. You know this yeah. man. You but know that's that's uh, Buzz's favorite. My, my father-in-law's favorite. Artist. It's John Sylvester's favorite, and mm-hmm. and John Sylvester's from the town in Sarasota, Florida, the Dolly uh, Museum, but. <clears throat> You know, if I were to like kind of peel it back a little bit more and maybe take a little bit more of a thought, um, you know, to, to, to live some of the lives of those Renaissance guys sounds interesting, just that time period. And the, what amazes me about them is that how do they get the light right when they're not working off of a computer screen or an image? And this is real time, it's during the day. Um, how did they light things? How did they get so consistent with their details of the human body? And that just must have been such an organic process. You know, I think they, I think some of them looked into the human body to see how the muscles were. It's an interesting life. And then I'll give you one more. Um, I'm just like focusing on dudes probably because I'm a dude, but, um, you know, I don't know much about, about women artists, uh, which is sad. So I have to note that. Um, and I'm just sticking to painters too, um, when artists are really so many other things, but, but one more painter, I mean, low hanging fruit, you know, oh, there's a guy these days, um, I'm not thinking of his name, but he's kind of a contemporary cubist. Um, I think it's like condone or something like that. Oh, my, my, uh, my professors would be disappointed in me, but somebody, my point being somebody who is very free and can just let things go from their imagination instead of real life and images. That's the answer. I would want to eat them to get that ability <laughs> and that power to develop and produce from my imagination. <laughs> Fuck <love> yeah. <laughs> Buy that crock of shit. It took me a while to get to it. It took you a while. It's okay. Well, the first people are dead, so they have no there's no danger of you eating them. But that other guy, look out. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the fuck out, man. <laughs> All right, man. Good episode. Appreciate you. Let's keep this conversation going. Talk to you later.